First, the bad news. SAP Business AI won't help you generate cubist versions of your family's holiday photos. But it will help you understand which supplier is best to help you roll out your plant-based packaging in Southeast Asia. Or identify the training your junior project manager needs to rise up the ranks. And automate repetitive tasks while you focus on big innovations. So you can be ready for the next opportunity. Revolutionary technology. Real-world results. That's SAP Business AI. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the Icon of Vacations. Icon of the Seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry Bahamas. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hello, Milwaukee Bucks fans. Welcome to the Bucks and Six podcast. My name is Steven Dorf, and alongside me is my co-host, Hershey Winkleman. Check us out on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Bucks and Six FFSN. We are also on Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks FFSN. On today's uh, episode, we will be introducing a new series by breaking down our top 10 players at each position in the NBA. Uh, we wanted to start with the center position on this episode and move down from center to power forward, small forward, shooting guard, point guard. Um, with that being said, Hirsch, who were the guys that just barely missed your list? Yeah. Um, so my honorable mentions, definitely, it, 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 you know, it was tough. Definitely. when it, I, I think personally for me, when it got past like five and six, I had a lot of trouble ranking these guys. Um, so, I mean, obviously no shade to any of these players that didn't make the list. Um, you know, we're not hating on them or anything. It's just that, you know, we value the other guys a little bit higher. Um, but I think, you know, for my honorable mentions, I just kind of chose players that I, you know, I didn't see really that had it in the playoffs. Um, if they made the playoffs and then one of my honorable mentions didn't even make the playoffs, but I thought that he was, you know, like he had like a breakout season for the magic and that guy, that guy's Wendell Carter, um, junior, but the other guys were Jared Allen, um, for the Cavs, you know, I just didn't think that he had the greatest playoff series. Um, he adds a lot to the defensive side of the ball, but, you know, offensively, he doesn't really have much of a, like a low post presence. Uh, same thing goes with Rudy Gobert. Uh, he's basically in the exact same category. Didn't do very well in the playoffs against Jokic. I mean, obviously that's pretty tough, but um, again, just a defensive guy, not very much to offer on the offensive end. And then my last guy, some people might say, you know, this is, 
you know, it, it's a controversial take, um, you know, knowing that we have a friend of the show who's a Suns fan and AD, uh, Andy Dorf. Um, but yeah, I think it's DeAndre Ayton. Um, you know, I, he, he, he struggled a lot as of recently. I think he lost a lot of his confidence due to, you know, Monty Williams not wanting to play him as much as he, he was accustomed to. And I also just not certain that his play style fits with that team. Um, I'm pretty sure, at least from what I remember in, in college, DeAndre Ayton, like getting like a lot of post touches and a lot of isolation post baskets. And on this Suns team, he doesn't really have that opportunity to get those touches. And so he kind of just has to get in where he fits in. Um, so, yeah, I, I don't know if it's necessarily the greatest situation for Aiton. But, yeah, those are those would be the four that round out my honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I had Gobert and Aiton on my honorable mention list as well. Uh, uh, Gobert being that he's had, you know, he's a really good player. He's one defensive player of the year. However, he is doesn't really do much on offense, liability on offense. And honestly, on defense, the guy cannot guard the pick and roll. Like it, it, he was exposed in the playoffs when he played with Donovan Mitchell. He can't guard the pick and roll. And as a center, that's one of the most important things you need to be able to guard. Uh, DeAndre eight. And I agree. I just think it's like a lack of aggressiveness, maybe a lack of touches of a role in the offense that makes him outside of this list. For me, I think all the potential is there. I just haven't seen it yet. Uh, my, my other two guys that I had as honor, honorable mentions are Jared Allen of the Cleveland Cavaliers. I think he's a really good young center, and I just think he needs time. And I think eventually he could make it onto this list at a higher spot, maybe in that top five, top six range. Uh, and then I have Robert Williams from the Boston Celtics. My issue with him is that he's a little undersized, and he is always hurt. So not only does he not play most of the games in the regular season he when he does play he can only get 20 to 25 minutes a game because you know conditioning they don't want to risk a further injury to the guy so that's kind of why he missed my list but uh i'm ready to get into number 10 hirsch yeah me too uh for my number 10 i have uh chicago bulls uh f- i mean he's a he's a free agent now we'll see if they bring him back but i've got nikola vooch at, at vucevic at number 10 uh vooch Everyone calls him from his time back in Orlando. Uh, you know, great offensive offensive big man. Uh, can score inside, can score outside. He's got a mid-range. He's very good at, you know, moving around the paint, getting open. Great rebounder. And I'm pretty – I'm almost certain he had one of his best defensive uh, seasons this past year. I think he slots in perfectly in that number 10 spot for me. Yeah, Nikola Vucevic is really good. He is also on my list, just a spot lower or a spot ahead, rather. Uh, I think I agree with all the things that you said. He had one of his best defensive seasons of his career, even though he is at the age of 32. He is one of the most like versatile offensive big men in the league, being that he can shoot, he can uh, score in the low post, can grab offensive rebounds. Uh, yeah, he's pretty much just a do-it-all, jack-of-all-trades type of big man. And I, I I, I can get behind the spot of 10. For me, I have Nick Claxton at 10. Uh, Nick Claxton is a guy that when he was on – or when he played behind Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and James Harden, he, like, uh, you know, similar to DeAndre Ayton, he got, he got kind of uh, overshadowed, right? And people didn't really t- uh, take notice to the guy. But now that, you know, all those guys are gone, all that star power has left. We've seen, you know, guys like Mikhail Bridges explode. 
Uh, Cam Thomas is, you know, he's shown some promise, but Nick Claxton all season has just gotten better and better. And he's one of the best defensive big men in the league. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I completely agree. Um, for my number nine is Nick Claxton. I, I'm a huge fan of the guy, um, especially, yeah, like how you brought up about when, when he was playing with guys like Irving and Durant who were able to, you know, feed, feed him those lobs near the basket, those dump off passes when they were, you know, getting in there and, you know, trying to create. Uh, I think I, it felt like to me whenever I was watching the Nets, Nick Claxton was always there to clean it up, um, especially in that in that series they had against the Sixers. Uh, I feel like he did a pretty solid job on Embiid. I know they got swept, but it seems like it seemed to me like whenever the Nets had a chance, it was because Nick Claxton was, you know, being pretty dominant on the interior. And so I he slots in at nine for me. I think he he personally is a little bit more valuable than Vucevic just because he's younger, he's more athletic, and I think he's a better defender. He he definitely doesn't have, you know, the offensive, the offensive skills or tools that that Vucevic has, but I think for for the majority of the teams in the NBA at this point, I think a guy like Nicholas Claxton is is what they're looking for. So I think he slots in perfectly at number nine for me. Absolutely, and uh, yeah, uh, mine was my number nine was Vooch. So we basically just flip flopped nine and ten. Uh, I think that's very fair. We can both kind of agree to disagree, but uh, number eight, I have Chris Stapps Porzingis of the Washington Wizards. Kristaps Porzingis is, I mean, when he came into the league at pick four to the New York Knicks, I mean, he was a unicorn. He could, he was a freak athlete at seven foot three. He could shoot threes. He could score in the post. Uh, And then he tears his ACL and he kind of, he gets traded from the Knicks and Kristaps kind of gets away from the spotlight, plays with Luka Doncic, didn't really work out. Now he's on Washington. And I think Kristaps is still a really good player. I think he's honestly just as good of a player as he was on the Knicks. It's just that he's never really improved from that point. Uh, he's a solid defender. I mean, I think you'd you'd like him to be a bit be- a bit better and more physical, being seven three, one of the biggest phys- like players in the NBA. I think you'd like to see a little bit more on that side of the ball. Uh, even offensively, I think you'd like to see him be a bit more aggressive in the paint. Uh, be stronger, be physical, because again, when you're seven three, nobody can really like defend you they can't really deal with you when you're that big yeah no I mean I I I like what you said I I personally have Porzingis a little higher um my number eight would be Miles Turner I I think he slots in perfectly at number eight um he's a very he's very good at you know moving around the paint getting where he needs to be on the court he's good in transition um another guy like Nick Claxton where you know he's He's kind of that pro he's like kind of that prototype defensive anchor at the back where he's just swatting shots left and right, grabbing the boards. Um, and then, you know, Miles Turner has something that Nick Claxton and Jared Allen don't, which is that, which is that shot. Miles Turner has shown through his years in in the at uh in Indiana that, you know, he he can shoot the three ball proficiently. And I think that's why, you know, teams like the Clippers, teams like the Lakers. These these contending teams at the deadline were were in heated talks with with the Pacers about guy about a guy like Miles Turner because he he could be that you know that piece to put you over the top with his versatility on offense and defense. I think Miles Turner is a perfect number eight. 
Absolutely. And that's actually why I have Miles Turner at my number seven. Miles Turner to me uh, is a guy that actually is coming off of his best like statistical year personally. I know the Pacers aren't great as a team, but I think that they're really young being led by Halliburton, Benedict Mather and Miles Turner, who's only 26, 27, I think. So we've seen him have his best year and he could continue to get better because he is a guy that doesn't necessarily rely on his athleticism to be great. He kind of reminds me of like a Brooke Lopez, essentially a a younger Brooke Lopez, maybe not as great of a post, uh, an offensive post presence, but I think his three point shot is better. I think defensively he can do more because he's a little younger, can move better. Uh, Miles, I agree. I mean, Miles Turner is a guy that you could really put on any team in the NBA and he could impact winning basketball. So that's why I have him at my number seven. Yeah. Interesting. My number seven is, uh, is Brooke. I I just think that Brooke is, you know, at at his age at, at, at 33, the way he's been able to revolutionize his game, you know, um, the fact that I mean, we've mentioned it in previous pods too, but the fact that, you know, he averaged 20 points a game or so, or plus, in Brooklyn, he's their leading scorer in their franchise history. And that's pretty much all working in the low post through like basically old school post touches, like where you just throw it down to your center in a one view and like a one-on-one and he would just have to make up like a post, like a post move to score. And Brooke Lopez went from that to, to being nicknamed splash mountain. Um, and, and, and just his defense alone. I mean, he, he was in talks for defensive player of the year this year. Um, he, he was the anchor for, for our, for our defense the entire year. And some would argue he was a better defender this year than Giannis. So I I think Brooke is, is perfect in that number seven spot. I think he's, you know, the last of kind of the elite group of centers. Oh, sure. Yeah. I have Brooke at number six, actually. I mean, we just, I keep putting a guy ahead of you, but, uh, I have Brooke at number six, um, Brooke to me. Again, one of the best defensive big men in the league. He he was in the runnings for defensive player of the year this year. Uh, a part of one of the best defenses in the league for the past five years. Brooke Lopez is, um, a, again, he's just like a do-it-all big man. You can give it to him in the post. You can give it to him in the three-point line. He can make those shots on defense. He can. He's a rim, a rim protector, and he's an anchor. So, and we, and when Brooke Lopez needs to, you know, be vintage Brooke Lopez, we've seen him do it. We've seen him do it in the playoffs. We've seen him do it in the regular season. Uh, most specifically uh, that I can remember is Brooke Lopez against the Hawks when the Bucs needed to go to the NBA Finals when Giannis had hyperextended his knee. Brooke Lopez dropped 20-plus points, was the was the number one guy on our offense in, the, in those games. So Brooke Lopez still has it. I have him at number six. I think he's an absolute dominant force on both ends of the ball. Absolutely. My number six is, uh, is Chris Stapps. I think, you know, just based off of what you said earlier, uh, just to add on to it, I, I think he, he adds a little more to the, you know, the athleticism and the offensive point of view than, than both Turner and Lopez do. And then I, I think, you know, with his just length at seven, three, I think his ability to, to contest shots, to block shots, to, you know, you know, uh, get like chase downs just just his length his his overall just size i i i think chris Stapps is probably one of the most unguardable players in the nba and and that's why he slots in at six for me 
Uh, yeah, one thing I do want to factor into about Chris Stapps, though, is that he has dealt with, you know, injuries. And it keeps him off the court a fair often amount of the time in comparison to guys like Miles Turner and Brooke Lopez, who it seems like play majority of the seasons every year. And I don't know, again, to me, availability is the best ability. And that's going to be that's going to come true eventually when you we go further on down these lists with uh, certain guys. But. Yeah, that's kind of the one point I wanted to add on to Chris Stapps is that I had to just move, uh, knock him down a little bit due to injuries and him not being available all the time. Definitely, yeah. I mean, his injury concerns are absolutely a problem, um, and I, I don't, I don't disagree with you there. But just when he's healthy, he he is truly a monster. But uh, we're gonna we're gonna take a quick break, and we'll be back with our top five centers in the league. We'll be breaking down the top five, so we're gonna take a quick break. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. It's only a kick, a jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back on the Bucks and Six podcast. Make sure you follow us on both Twitter and Instagram at Bucks and Six FFSN. We are here breaking down our final five centers in the NBA. Um, we made our lists and we got through the top 10, uh, down from 10 to six, and now we're into the top five. So, Steve, why don't we start off with your number five? At five, I have DeMontis Sabonis from the uh, Sacramento Kings, uh, DeMontis Sabonis again has kind of been a, a guy who's a diamond in the rough over the years. He, he's developed and developed and developed into an all-star caliber, big man. He is a force on offense. He might be the best rebounder in the NBA. Uh, and there aren't too many big men with his ability to be a playmaker. That's the big thing with DeMontis Sabonis. We see in that Kings offense, the way that they run it is they'll get DeMontis Sabonis, the ball in the high post a lot of the times, and then players will be revolving 
revolving around that, doing whatever they can to get open from that. And DeMontis Sabonis will create something, whether it be a post back down, a nice little move to get to the rim or a nice pass to a cutter, to an open shooter. I think offensively, he is super, super versatile. He does need to work on that outside shot, I think, a little bit. But DeMontis Sabonis is such a force on offense that I had to put him at number five. Yeah, I completely agree. My number five is also Sabonis, which gets me slightly worried that our top five is exactly the same. But, you know, we'll we'll we'll, we'll figure it out when we get there. But, uh, yeah, completely agree with everything you said. One thing I do want to add is, is his ball handling and his ability to, you know, push the ball in transition. I think we've seen Sabonis go coast to coast, you know, more times than I can count with him just grabbing a board, long rebound, and he's off and running, going to the rim, creating a three. Uh, down at the other end, something like that, you know. So, but, so yeah, I mean, he he's got a little Jokic in him, but he's also got a little bit of his dad in him too, with with like the rebounding and the footwork, and you know, the, he, his post game is is pretty similar. So yeah, I mean, but yeah, I agree. He he does need to definitely work on that outside shot more if he can get that a little bit more consistent. I think he absolutely is good enough to be you know that that first or second guy in that Kings offense depending on the night. Absolutely. I think that's, yeah, I mean, we agree at five. I'm assuming we agree at four. I have Bam Adebayo at four of the Miami Heat. Bam Adebayo, again, is an undersized big man, but still is one of the hardest playing players in the NBA. I've never seen a guy hit the ground so much and get back up and then hit the ground again and then get back up and just do it over and over again all game and just... He he gets his point. I mean, he gets 20 a game. He'll get you 10 boards. And then he's also a really, really solid playmaker. Similar to Sabonis, I think that they have a very similar offensive skill set. But I think that Bam Adebayo is a much, much better defender, whether it be in the low post or on the perimeter. Uh, I like Bam Adebayo's versatility a bit more than I like Sabonis's. Uh, I think that Sabonis is a better all-around offensive player than Bam Adebayo. However, I think that Bam, the gap between their defensive abilities is a lot bigger to the point where I have to put Bam Adebayo slightly ahead of DeMontis Sabonis at four. Definitely. I mean, we we, we agree uh, on this one too. I I also have Bam at my four. And personally, just just in my opinion, Bam is one of my favorite players in the league to watch. Um, I, I absolutely love his energy. Kind of what you were saying. The, the dude does not give up. He refuses to quit. Um, he's not going to stop shooting, even if he's you know not not having a super efficient night. He's if he's open, he's going to take it. That's just how he plays. Um, and yeah, at least in that Celtics series at the end, you know, I, I he he just seemed like he was super impactful as a player. Um, and even early in that final series against the Nuggets, Bam Bam had some of his best offensive performances of the playoffs, which shows that you know he he can elevate his game um, when it matters most. And you know we we saw that at the end of the Celtics series where he's getting you know put back dunks, uh, rebound, two handed slam, you know, and ones. He's screaming into the camera. You know that's the kind of energy I like out of a player, and I, I think Bam at a bio is going to have a, a, an even better year coming into next year. I think he has a chance to be the third best center in the league. Absolutely. Absolutely. Who do you have at number three, Hirsch? Yeah, my number three, it was tough between two and three. Um, some people might say, you know, it's it's a big gap. I disagree. Uh, but my mine is Anthony Davis. 
I just think you have to downgrade him because of his availability. I, I think if it wasn't for uh, injury problems and availability issues, I think there would be a much better case for him to be over whoever's at number two. Um, but he he's still he's still Anthony Davis. You know, he's still that perennial all-star. He's still that guy who who, who can give you 40, 20, and 5, and, and two, 3 blocks in a game. And, and you know, we, we saw that in the first game against the Nuggets where he had, uh, what did he have, 40 points, 15 boards, something like that. He, he went off in that first game in the Western Conference Finals. Um, it's just about the consistency with him, I think. You know, I think there are times where – he he will just get I, I think kind of complacent on the court maybe not not as aggressive kind of passive um and those are the nights where you know you see it you see a 14 point night on five shots and you know Anthony Davis can do better than that um so you obviously hope that that kind of slows down for him um and he and he becomes a little bit more consistent like he wasn't during those those Pelicans days uh, but yeah, Anthony Davis, number three, for sure. I'm guessing you have the same thing. Yeah. Anthony Davis at number three for me as well. Uh, you said, uh, his, uh, availability couldn't agree more. I mean, the guy, uh, there's the new, uh, the new, uh, rule change where you have to play like, what is it? 65, 64 games to qualify for an all NBA team. Uh, Anthony Davis probably wouldn't have qualified for any all NBA teams if that were the case since his rookie year. Uh, that should speak something about how little he can play in the regular season. And then when it comes to playoff time, it is he like physically conditioned well enough to play in the playoffs at his at his best every game? No, I don't think so, because we have, like you said, seen games where offensively he disappears. And I understand that defensively he's always a presence, but given his athleticism and his size, that's always going to be the case with him when he's healthy. But yeah, offensively. There are games where he looks like he is the best player in the NBA. And then there are games where he looks like he isn't playing the right position. What I mean by that is that Anthony Davis takes too many jump shots as a, as a center, as a power forward. He does it too many times. And I think it takes away from the explosiveness of his game. I think Anthony Davis, if he used his post ability more and stopped relying on his jump shot, I think the argument again could be a little closer. I personally have this skill gap as huge uh, between three and then two, two and one. So I think it's a large, large skill gap in terms of three to two and one. Yeah. I mean, my number two is uh Joel Embiid. The only problem I think with him that you can say is pretty glaring is his, uh, playoff success i would say um the fact that you know he 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 just won an mvp and he's never been past the second round um it, it it is concerning especially for a guy who's been in the league i think 7 8 years now at this point um and is now an mvp has been an all-star for multiple seasons was considered you know one of the if not the best one of the best players in the league for the past 3 4 years um so yeah i think you know Joel, definitely a guy who, you know, his his offense is there, his defense is there. It's just it's 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 worrisome that he cannot get it done in the playoffs. And I'm unsure how that is necessarily going to happen in Philadelphia, especially if they lose James Harden and don't get anything to replace him. I think that team's just going to be worse than it was this year. But 
Yeah, I mean, I think at this point, our, our both we both agree on the number one guy, and he he to me, there's a bigger gap between number one and number two than there is between number two and number three. Uh, for sure. Yeah, I haven't beat at number two as well. Uh, for the reasons you said, I think that offensively and defensively, he is a really, really dominant two-way big man. Uh, he moves like a guard, yet he has the size of Hakeem Olajuwon. So, I mean, he's a specimen, can do it all, especially when he's healthy. He's great, but again, he gets hurt a lot, and he gets hurt in the playoffs a lot. And when he's in the playoffs, sometimes he doesn't show up. This year in game six and seven against the Celtics, when he had two opportunities to close them out, he didn't play up to the Joel Embiid MVP caliber that you'd expect him to. And that's a little concerning because it happens year in and year out with him. So that's why I have him at number two. And uh, number one for me is Nikola Jokic right now. Nikola Jokic is a two-time MVP. He just won the NBA Finals, the Finals MVP. Essentially averaging like a triple-double, like like 28, 20, whatever, 28, 25 points a game, 10, 10 plus boards, seven, eight assists. Like he's a, he's a freak. And the weirdest thing with him is he's not a freak athlete like most of these guys. But he is the most skilled big man. He might be the most big man. He might be one of the most skilled players in the NBA being that he's seven feet tall and can dribble and can shoot and can pass like a point guard. It's, it's phenomenal to watch. I know earlier, earlier in this pod, you mentioned that, uh, DeMontis Sabonis is like a baby version of Nikola Jokic. And yeah, I couldn't agree more. I think like, I don't know if you've ever seen that like meme where it's like the, the Charmander and Charizard it's Alperin Shangun, DeMontis Sabonis, Nikola Jokic, that whole thing. I, I think that is the most accurate like meme or like troll I've ever seen. <laughs> yeah, I saw that. I thought that was hilarious. And yeah, we, we both agree that Jokic is number one. I think he at this point is solidified as an all time great. I think he's one of the 25 greatest players of all time at this point. And yeah, I mean, there is a significant debate now between Giannis and Jokic. As who as to who who's going to be the best player in the NBA for the next you know half decade to the de- to the next decade after LeBron, the po- it seems like the post LeBron era is going to be spearheaded by Giannis and Jokic, and it's going to be a rivalry that hopefully lasts for a long time with, with these two guys in their primes. Both have two championships. I mean, uh, both have two MVPs. Both have one championship. Um, both European. I, I think there's a lot of par- uh, parallels. They both play a super unique brand of basketball that the game really has not seen before. And so, yeah, I think Jokic is at least on par with Giannis at this point. Even if I'd rather have Giannis, I think Jokic is the second best player in the NBA. Yeah, I mean, I think you could argue either or Jokic or Giannis. Uh, a lot of people now are going to be saying Jokic uh, due to the fact that he just won the NBA championship and had a phenomenal run doing so. Um, but yeah, those are the, cl- I mean, Jokic is the clear best number one, the, the clear best center in the NBA to me right now. Uh, and I think it might be a little recency bias, but he did do it in the playoffs. And that's kind of like the determining factor between him and Embiid right now is that Jokic did it in the playoffs and Embiid has yet to do it. And that's kind of what makes Jokic the number one for me alongside 
the fact that he can do it all as a big man. Definitely. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's, that's the top 10. I think, I think we had the same top 10 just in a different order. Um, I do yeah. want to, I do want to mention though, for the audience, uh, that we did only choose players that played that position this season that, that were listed as that. So guys like Carl Anthony Towns, who probably would have been on the list had they been listed as a center, uh, are not on the list because they are uh, considered power forwards. Same with Siakam. So I just wanted to make that clear. Uh, they will probably be on the power forward list, I, I would guess. But uh, with that, uh, that'll be it for today's episode of the Bucks and Six podcast. Make sure to leave a like, download, subscribe, and check us out on social media on Twitter and Instagram at Bucks and Six FFSN. And now on Facebook at Milwaukee Bucks FFSN. I'm Hershey Winkleman. He's Steven Dorf. And let's go, Bucks!